Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reflections and Rhythms with your host and our associate producer, Miss Janice R. White. We'll be back in just a moment. Join us. The song is spinning, 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 spinning. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. including possibly the return of Mary Phelan, known around here in the Northern Virginia area for her work with her longtime television show, Telepathic TV, with her partner, Neville Johnston. And, of course, this is one of the slightly newer shows, but she's done uh, one or two, and this is Reflections and Rhythms with host and associate producer, of Main Street Universe, Janice R. White. She's also the host of the World Reggae Party. Reggae Party, right. yes. Fair, fair, yes. 
And it's your show, so I'm going to turn it over to you, Janice, and just welcome. If I'm, I'll be around. So if you need any, a little bit of technical help, as you know, how this board can be sometimes is just like had a meeting. Yeah, I like to surprise me. <laughs> the buttons aren't always um, perfect. So anyway, I'm going to turn my microphone on off and uh, hand it over to you. All right. Good evening, everybody. This is Janice R. White, Associate Producer and Host of Reflections and Rhythms, which is my uh, take on women's spirituality. And tonight we have a very uh, wonderful guest coming up, uh, actually coming up in a few seconds. Her name is Catherine Samuelson, and she has a wonderful book called Opening the Heart, Meditations on How to Be. Now, Miss um, Samuelson, um, uh, like I said, is the writer of this opening of the heart. And she's also a psychic and a life coach. And I had the pleasure of um, reading about her book, I guess before it was published, on the Changing Times, Changing Worlds, Facebook page and on the website, and um, I'm not sure if we met at the first one I went to, uh, but uh, I have been to Changing Times and Changing Worlds two times, and I know she wasn't there the last time, but I I have looked over her book twice, I read it twice, and I love all of the uh, flower symbols and the writing next to the flower symbols like, for instance, number 15, it's a beautiful yellow rose, yellow-pink rose, and it says, Life is a Song, Sing It. So that's what we're going to do uh, for an hour. We're going to talk to Catherine about her book, uh, about being a psychic and a life coach and some other things. So, Catherine, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Yeah. How are you? A <laughs> uh, little frazzle. I just walked in the door, so I'm trying to uh, defrazzle myself. And I'm looking at your book to, to defrazzle me as well. So, well, but I other think than it's that, an I'm excellent fine. tool for that. I think it's an excellent tool for that. <laughs> what? I think it's an excellent tool for that. You should look at number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have I have the book in my lap, so let me look at number one. Hmm. Yes, breathe deeply, breathe slowly. You can breathe through anything. Yes, and it has a wonderful lotus, right? And so, yes, but I'm calming down as we speak, which is a good thing. So let's talk about the book a little bit because I gave a little bit of an introduction to it, and I've already read Two Flowers. Um, so let's start with that. Okay. Why flowers? Um, Can I well, ask that that's first? Because, sure, because this book is basically channeled, um, and uh, it's what my angels and guides chose. So, <laughs> you know, when you have the assistance of the universe, it's like, why would you not, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I definitely. Well, I thought that, um, I thought because flowers are usually... Uh, a very unique symbol of a lot of different things, like 
uh, yellow roses are friendship and white roses are uh, respect and daisies are love. You know, she loves me, she loves me not. So I thought it was a really, flowers was a really good opening for the book and it would make me want to look at the book. Um, And I read it twice, like I had said before, but it made me want to look at the book further because it had so many beautiful flowers on it, and even a few flowers that I have no idea what they are. And well, I, was I, can kinda... you, I, I can tell you what they are. Ah, okay. Because okay. silly me and my book designer, we forgot to put a description of the flowers in it, which I now have on my website. Um, the blue flower is chicory. Ah, okay. The purple stalk is uh, loose strife. Okay. And honeysuckle berries. And then obviously water lilies and roses. Yes. And one that looks like a lotus, because uh, that's something I love. I love lotuses. And, yeah, um, these are actually, you know, it's like all lotuses are water lilies, but not all water lilies are lotuses. So these are actually water lilies, although I think they have the same symbology, you know, coming from the mud up through the water into the air. Oh, yes. I was going to say that uh, the reason why I love lotuses and um, I love I love roses too, but I really love lotuses because it it just grows in the muck of the Nile and other other water systems. Usually, the dirtiest part of it, and up comes this beautiful white you know, and sometimes pink flower, and to show that things can look really dark at at one point or really look dark to you. But if you look further into the path or further into your life, you see a lot of beauty. You might be in the muck right now, but there's there's beauty coming. Yes. Um, and even in the midst of the muck, you can find beauty. Um, in yes. the midst of grief, you can find joy. So it's choosing to be, you know, open with your heart. Yes, yes. So I, I love the title and I love the flowers and yes, it's really a great book. So thank you so much. My... I got. Oh, go ahead. I was just to say I got very lucky with my book designer and my photo. I wish I had taken these photographs, but no, sadly, the talent belongs to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it, it it starts like that. You know, you like wow, I really had this great idea. Um, but somebody else has to do it. So that's just the way things go, or um, which is also really good too. But the first question, I, well, the flowers was the first question. The second question that I have is that uh, you were a lawyer, uh huh, and uh, a lawyer for twenty years, if I believe so. 20, 20, 22 years? 27-ish, something like that. 27 wow, almost 30 years, and uh, a corporate lawyer, correct? No, actually a municipal government lawyer. Okay, okay, well. Yeah, I, start, I started out as a bill drafter for the state of Illinois. <laughs> oh, and then, okay. And then became an assistant city attorney and then moved to uh, an association of municipalities and then went and did grant funded work for the lovely county of cook ah which is in chicago if i if i well chicago's so. in chicago's in cook county yeah oh okay i see yeah 
So the question is, uh, what was your journey like um, being a practicing lawyer for almost 30 years to working as a psychic and a life coach? (laughs) Well, it was a 180-degree turn, so yes. Uh, I actually went to law school because I had a self-designed liberal arts major that qualified me to do mm, nothing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And what major was that? History or English or what? It was was self. I went to Southern Illinois University, and at the time, you could design your own major, and there was nothing in, in the course catalog that I wanted to be. So I designed this thing. I found a sponsor for it, and uh, it was some art history, some sociology, some psychology, some little ge- geography, you name it. It was in there. <laughs> I gave it a pompous title, I think. Uh, and then one day I was walking down the street to or from class and went, oh, I can't make a living at this. Yes. <laughs> So I ended up in law school, but I always sort of had a you know spiritual edge or interest. Um, and uh, in the middle of working for the lovely county of Cook, a small little local government of 20,000 employees, um, <laughs> it's bigger than some cities. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was consulting a psychic. Um, and using a book called Ask Your Angels, and it came up a number of times about trying automatic writing, which is the tool that I use for the readings. And um, so I tried it, and it it was just a lot of practice, a lot of practice, a lot of practice. And then I ended up moving to Massachusetts. And, well, if you're not from there, it's hard to get a job (laughs) in the legal field. Yes, yes. And plus, Often law firms, they want somebody, you know, two to six years of experience. They didn't want somebody with almost 27 years of experience, you know? Yeah. So then I went off and got certified as a life coach and said, I'm giving up the practice of law and actually have been really happy. Ah, I have done that. that. that, Not that that it hasn't been scary at moments, and I've looked at the money and gone, uh... <laughs> so that was that was the journey, and but it was a lot of practice, a lot of practice. When I got to Massachusetts, I found a psychic development group, you know, started working fairs, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I think I interrupted you. I apologize. Yes, you did. Um, but I was going to let you keep rolling. But I wanted to say is I have done the um, automatic writing. Um, because I'm right-handed, and uh, I don't really come up with clear, concise answers. It's usually like wobbly, wobbly bits or something, or or something uh, un, um, undiscernible. But so, every once in a while, I might get a picture or something, but definitely not a message message. So you're lucky in that aspect. Well, it took a lot of practice, and you know, it would be like a word or two, you know, and it evolved into sentences, sometimes a paragraph. And uh, truthfully, we still don't do punctuation, and they're not big on capitalization. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to write it out, you know, just for somebody to read, I'd have to edit it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Well, um, like I said, on mine, I would have to figure out if this was an actual word or if it was just scribble because, you know, it's, it's not a science that that uh, that I do as well as, you know, writing with the hand that I write with. So. Well, but actually, I just, I'm, I'm right-handed and I use my right hand. I, I'm not sure why you're using your non-dominant hand. Oh, say that again. I'm sorry. I use my I use the hand I write with to do the automatic writing. Ah, okay. Well, and well. and I know what they're saying as I'm writing it. So. Uh huh. Ah, because I always so maybe. Was... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say maybe you should try it with your regular writing, your dominant hand. Yes, got to try it with that, because. Um, I've been to a couple different classes on it, and those teachers usually said that they use it on your um, on the hand that you don't write with. So, but that's very huh. interesting. Yeah. Well, I didn't go to any of those classes. <laughs> <laughs> and aren't you glad you didn't? So yeah. Yeah. I didn't know there were rules. <laughs> See now you know. See everybody learns something out of this show. So, but yeah, I got to definitely try it with my right hand because that would make more sense. So, that would definitely make more sense. So, and uh, I I've stopped using ink because they write over and over and again in the same place. So it's like why? <laughs> as long as I as like that's it's my gateway. It's like people who use tarot cards. That's their gateway. Yeah. Yes. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me as well. So, so how long have you been a life coach? Since 2007, when I um, was certified by the University of New Hampshire. <laughs> this is sort of like going back to 2002, where I met the woman who became my book designer five years later. <laughs> You know, and I met the woman who started the pro, the life coaching program I went to. Is it? Uh, so uh, yeah. Um, so it was an accredited program at an accredited university, not an online thing. Um, and uh, I paid the extra money to have the cert- certification, um, and it was very interesting. Um, so and I've been doing that since then. Ah, so you've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, this mm-hmm. might sound like a really uh, stupid question, even though there are no stupid, there's so no stupid, stupid questions. questions. Yes, yes. Um, what type of life coach are you? Because I've also been hearing, I went to the um, Parliament of World Religions, and there was a couple different life coaches there. There, and I'm like, well, I, I specify in blank. And I'm not doing the general life coach, uh, or I specify in blank, and you know uh, I tie this in with Reiki, and uh, and you know there's a thousand different types of Reiki, so so what type of um, <laughs> there are so I know I know that for yeah. a fact because I'm a Reiki master, so and I do a oh, and then there's the which reconnection, is, which is somehow different from then Reiki, which is different from blah blah blah. You know. Yeah, yeah. You can um, go all day with these different certifications and and uh, 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 Pacific type of traits. You can go all day. Trust me. 
because I was about to say I do a traditional shui and sacred flames and sakim sakim, which right now is SSR. Uh, you know, they have totally taken off the names and just named it SSR. So I know what I'm talking about. So what type <laughs> of life coach are you? Uh, I really like to, you know, I would be open to almost any client if we decided we could work together, but I really enjoy helping people who are in transition, want to change their path in life. Um, So I'm not a business coach. I don't, you know, coach executives. I really like that one-on-one individual, got to get off my butt, change my life, change how I operate kind of coach, that makes sense. That makes sense, yes. I don't know that I could put a name on it. <laughs> okay. okay. I haven't branded myself. <laughs> okay. Because I think I am my brand. You are your brand, yes, yes. You know, um, I have branded myself because I have this show, uh, which is my baby. I know Daniel is in the background, uh, but this is my baby because we're talking about um, women, today's women, not yesterday's women, and spirituality. And um, so that's my brand, but I also have the uh, World Reggae Party, which is my reggae hat and my reggae band, and it's Scottish Janice. So, you know, I have two brands now. So, But um, you know what I'm saying. It's like everybody mm-hmm. is branding things and uh because it's important, you know, you, you you want to be branded, but you also want to be an individual, which is what most people don't right. realize when they're branding themselves is they're taking away their individuality, or at least right. that's how I feel. And then, then there are the people who their brand, you go, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do we have our nose in the air, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. But so. you mentioned Daniel, and we had a chance to talk before the show, and it turns out he and I know some of the same people. Yes. He was like, well, doesn't she do? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm going to ask her the question. So, uh, um, but yes, because he was like, I know I know her. It's like, well, do you? I'm like, uh, it's like she's part of um, – and it just went right out of my head, right then and there. Um, um, I, I I used to work at World of Witches in Salem yes. for a while. It's, it's unfortunately closed some time ago. Uh-huh. Um, but apparently we, we met in passing <laughs> at World of Witches, and he remembered me. Yeah. Well, that's small world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, there's also lessons from from being in a small world and there's always things that you could take away from this so which brings me up to another question what kind of lessons uh did you learn or are you still learning from this journey well one of the things that i've learned to try to practice is what i call radical ambiguity and radical persistence because Mm -hmm. um one of the things that I've had to deal with in on my path is the feeling of security, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And, you know, you might have an idea in mind that, yes, I want to create, say, the book. 
So you have the idea in mind, but you have to live, in my view, with in radical ambiguity of the book just doesn't appear, that you have to find your way on the path of creating the book, which ties in with the radical persistence of step after step after step after step. You know, and you just keep on moving. Or as we used to say in the 60s, keep on keeping on. Yes. Or in the 70s, keep on trucking. <laughs> yeah, that too. Keep on trucking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so learning to, again, as the book said, as it got channeled through, you know, breathing through it, you know, that you, know, you can think of all these horrible things that are, could possibly happen, and most of the time, none of them happen. So it's better to like not. Do all thinking all those terrible things. It's changing the story, changing the vision. Um, uh, people, you know, like the, you know the people who are a victim, and that's their story. I am a victim, and they right. want to, and they want to keep with that story. Right. Um, right. Um, not all of them, but you know the ones that want to keep with that story because they they keep right. saying it out loud. I'm a victim, or you know, this has been done to me. Uh, you know, I can't help it. A lot of different... Um... Right. So it's learning to change my own story. Because think about it. I went from not knowing what the hell I was going to do to being a lawyer, and that was my story. And now my story is I've moved from Illinois to Massachusetts to Vermont when I thought I would never leave central Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your story, too, that you left, that... That you right. took a chance on yourself and you decided to leave to see uh, if you can make world. it elsewhere. Right. Yeah, I'm rereading Elizabeth. You know Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She has a yes. new book out called Big Magic, and I'm reading it for the second time and putting little sticky notes <laughs> in places. And one of the things she says is, you know, if you keep Arguing your, for your limitations, your, your limita- something about if you keep arguing for your limitations, you get to keep them, or something to that ah. effect. So another thing is, you know, I, you know, and it's a lesson I keep seeing is, oh, I create limitations. You know, if I can look at this differently, change the perspective, you know, I'm maybe won't limit myself. So yes. So those are some of the things I've learned, you know. I've learned you break up with a guy, you won't die. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I've, yes. I've been trying to it tell that to my nieces, my nieces, you know. You know you're going to live. You really will. You really will live after you break up with that guy. So, yes, you will not die. It's not trauma in your life forever. You don't have to be Queen Victoria and we're mourning for 40 years. Because <laughs> you don't want to do that either, actually. So, no. 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 You want to live, you know. As I said earlier, there is you can find joy in the midst of grief. Oh, yes. So, and we're going to have another question and we're going to have a short little break. Okay, dokie. Wow, we've been on the air for 28 minutes now. So, oh, I also have that. What kind of psychic are you? So, 
But you did say that you do automatic writing. Writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And we we have the opening of the heart book. So is there any other psychic, like do you, tarot cards or? Nope. It's generally just um, the automatic writing. It's my gateway. And since I'm highly verbal, it makes sense, you know. I was a lawyer. I wrote as a lawyer. <laughs> I've written oh, poetry yeah. often, poetry often on my whole, you know, since I was a teenager. Um, you know, words are my thing. So um, sometimes oh. they give me fe- feelings, and they have to go use your words, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's my phone. Just ignore it. So, like, I'm planning to. So, uh, but yes. Well, I know that some people that they could just look at a person or touch a person or touch, like, their clothes or something, and boom, there's a flash mm-hmm. of something. So you're not one of those my, people. No, I I also think it's, it's my way of setting what I view as appropriate boundaries so that I'm not on 24-7, unlike uh, some people that you run into, which I don't think is healthy, personally, oh, that's yes. my view. Oh yes, uh, I, I know. I, I know a few people like that. It's like give it a rest. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, we're going to have a little short break. Um, I'm going to come back on and talk more about your book. So Terrific. We're going to have, let's say. I'm here. Okay. And and I had a plug, and then probably a pretty good song for the break. Okay. Well, plug away, right. Daniel. This is a pre-recorded plug. Uh, here we okay. go. We'll be back with reflections and rhythms with Janice. Rhythms, reflections and rhythms with Catherine Samuelson as a guest. Yes. All right. Be back in a few. Okay. You are listening to Main Street Universe, the show and network reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined.
archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. All right, everyone, and we are back. Collections and Rhythms with your hostess and associate producer of the Main Street Universe Radio Network, Miss Janice R. White, as well as the host of the World Reggae Party, and our guest, Captain um, Samuelson. And I'm going to hand the show back over to her and remind everybody to stay tuned at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. The show will end around 9.30, then at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, we have Green Magic Green Medicine with the great master herbalist, Mrs. Susan Weed. So I'm handing it back over to you now, Jeannie. All right. Uh, Catherine, you're on? Hello again. Ah, oh, yes. Hello again. So we had a little break there, so now we'll come Breaks back are on. Good. Yes, we're all good. So have some more questions for you. All right. Uh, all right. And hmm, excuse me. So somebody comes to you and they're looking for life coaching and they they heard of you or they heard of your book or it was word of mouth. What can you do for someone who is looking for a life coach? Well, the first thing is I would have a free consultation with them to see if we'd want to work together if it's a good fit. It's It's like going to a psychologist and going, oh, I can't work with this, you know, they just have a viewpoint or worldview that just doesn't work for you. Um, then it's exploring what their goals for life coaching are um, and what kind of time commitment they can make. Uh, some people have extremely busy schedules or their um, finances don't allow, like, once a week or even every two weeks. Sometimes it has to be once a month. Mm-hmm. And then once, you know, we figure out what the goals are, it's how do you get there? And it's keeping them on track. It's asking questions, you know, getting keeping in touch with them. Um, sometimes it's giving homework. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we thought we all had left that behind, right? Um uh, you'd be surprised. So yes. So, <laughs> uh, it, and and really, it's in a way it's hard to describe because it's really individually based. If somebody is confused and doesn't know what their goals are, sometimes it will be helping them figure out what they're really kind of trying to find, where they're trying to go. If they're if they're confused, some people have a, a clearer vision, but they're not sure how to get there or they just want somebody to keep them on track other people are just totally lost um Mm -hmm. and um it is not therapy uh i don't (laughs) i don't help people with deep depression uh or neuroses or psychoses i might work with somebody who's working with somebody on that stuff um but it's really very different um it is helping somebody organize their life in some ways Mm-hmm. If that if that makes sense to you, Janice. Oh yes, that makes sense. Um, but isn't uh, now let's say that I know 
I have been to a life coach myself, so I know a little bit about it. But let's say I don't know anything about it. How would you? Um, how would you? How would your being a life coach differ from going to like a counselor or a psychologist or, or a person like that? Again, um, they're dealing with often much more deep-seated problems and issues, um, such as a psychosis or neuroses. Uh, a life coach is you're a bit befuddled. You know, you can't figure out how to get where you want to go. You may have a goal, but you can't. So it's helping you ideate. It's helping you clarify your vision and talking to you about um, changing your story and pointing out where you may that you might have some self-limiting uh, ideas that are preventing you from taking the steps that you want to take. And, of course, it's always making sure that you're not engaging in, you know, a, in therapy because that's not what I'm trained for. Um, it's being uh, a nudge sometimes. It's like, mm, you said you were going to do this thing, so what happened here? You know, and sometimes it's saying, okay, you seem to have a real issue around this. Maybe you need to go see a doctor, a lawyer, a therapist, uh, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's it's helping you take the steps you need to take to get where you want to go. Ah, uh, Okay. And I see the difference there. Right. Um, I am not trained to help somebody who has deep depression. You know, I can maybe help you go, hmm, you think you may be a little depressed here? Do you think maybe you should go talk to someone about it? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not what I'm trained for. Yes. And that could be difficult in itself because there's usually a lot of levels in depression. It's not just mm-hmm. simply I'm depressed. So, right, oh, it good. could maybe it could maybe help you, you know, talk about it, what you're feeling, so that you can then go express it to someone else. But this is, you know, I have this career path. I'm unhappy with it, um, and I'd really like to do this other thing. So it's helping you sort out, okay, how do you get there? Or I had a client who, for reasons, had had to move, and the situation changed, and because of some homework I gave her, she figured out she needed to live where she had lived before. So mm-hmm. then the life coaching became, okay, we're going to help you get back to there. We're going to help you know, support the person through the process of finding a job. Um, you know, And life coaching is not meant to be necessarily long-term. Um, it can be a few months. It could be a year or so. But it's, you know, you hear the stereotypical psychoanalysis where they're in therapy for 10 years. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, 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 no. And I recently had a chat with a client like, okay, you know, what are your goals? Because this is approaching a little kind of lengthy here, and, it's, you know, this is not meant to be. You know, so yeah. it's like looking at do you still need me because it's not to be a, a dependency. Right. And and with some people, uh, you know, if they're not told this is not going to be a, a dependency, they can make it dependent or, mm-hmm. or without your permission, so to speak. So you always have to check in with the client. 
Right, and I I did a, a free consultation with somebody who wanted me to guarantee her result within a specified period of time. Oh, and I had oh, oh really? Like what? <laughs> I would have been like what? what? Uh... Because a what happens depends on how much work you the client put into it. You know, the life coach is a guide. You know, yeah. a, a a watcher, a nudger, a, a, you know that kind of goal role. A que- you know, asking pertinent questions at the right time. You know, I couldn't guarantee that this woman was going to figure out what she wanted to do for her, a job for the rest of her life. <laughs> or if you say something like, "Oh, I want to do radio," which you know. I love radio, it's, uh, but I had a lot of people like, oh, wouldn't you be happier with blank? It's like, uh, no, I've tried blank, and I wasn't very happy with it. So, um, <laughs> And I would, I would think as a life coach, if somebody came to me and said, I've tried this and I'm not happy with it, that would not be something I would suggest that you would go back to. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, uh, well, you know, family, family are, you know... <laughs> And yeah, I had a client. Can't live who, with them, can't shoot them, as they say. So, yeah, I had a client who she came to me in the first session, sat down, and said, "I really want to do X, but everybody says tells me I can't." And I looked at her and said, "Why not?" Mm. You know, and and the answer might have been after working through it that maybe for reasons right now she couldn't. Mm-hmm. But. She's doing what she wanted to do, <laughs> you know, and just sometimes helping somebody see something from a different perspective. And that's part of, I, I believe, the intuitive, the psychic work as well, you know, giving you guidance, giving someone guidance, you know, from a different perspective, which is the perspective of the universe. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I definitely agree on that. And it's always good to look at other perspectives of, as well. And, uh, you know, um, friends mean well, family mean well, but, you know, sometimes uh, a person that's not even connected to you at all can can help you look at angles that you didn't see yourself. Right, and you're because you don't have a history with the person, you can't really push their buttons. You have right. no agenda. You have no agenda to push their buttons. Right. So, and that, and that works a lot, and that works a lot with a lot of different people as well. Mhm. Yes. So, what is I tell life? Is I tell even? Um, I got this from James Wanless, who was the creator creator of the Voyager Tarot cards. Mhm. Uh, I have had a few readings with him, and one I think one of the first readings I had with him, he said, what he tells clients is if you like the reading, it's up to you to go out and make it happen. If you don't like the reading, it's up to you to go out and make it not happen. Ah, okay. Uh, so even with the guidance from the angels and guides, you kind of got to go out and do the work. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had, you know, People come and say, oh, am I going to find somebody? And the answer is yes, but you have to get out of the house more. And the answer back is, but I'm a homebody. 
And my answer to that well, is Well, that's going to be a little bit of a problem because you're mm-hmm. going to have to go out to find somebody. Right, because unless it's the UPS guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who rings your doorbell one day? <laughs> yes. So. So even on that level, you have to go out and do the work. Oh yes, oh yes, because you know he's he's dropping off packages at other places. He can't stay and just have uh, can't stay and just drop off packages at your house. He has to go out. <laughs> so. Yes, indeed. So. Yes, that's indeed. One of the, I mean, I did have somebody one day when I was working at World of Witches sit down and say, so tell my fortune. And I looked at it and said, but I'm not a fortune teller. <laughs> well, why am I here? I said, I provide guidance, you know, mm-hmm. knowledge, but it's not set in stone, you know. No. No, nothing's set in stone. So, Well, death and taxes, maybe those two. But other than that, nothing's yeah. set in stone. Yeah. Right. It's. It's the energy of the day for the reading, you know. And, uh, you know, there are other people who may be involved in this, so, you know, you may not be in control of them. Yes. So have you done any psychic work besides trying automatic writing? Uh, Well, yes. Excuse me. Uh, tarot cards. Uh, in fact, Daniel and I, um, every once in a while, have a reading show, and I seem to do really good with women and, and really bad with men. So I don't know what that means. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, that may that just may be your uh, niche or niche, whichever yeah. pronunciation you prefer. That just may be who you resonate with and you know who you connect with. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. And um, every once in a while, uh, I can get like a a scarf or a necklace or or something of that nature, and an image would pop up, and I would have to tell the person, okay, is there blank? Um, I forget what that's called. Clara? Psychometry? Yes, yes. Because when you hold but, an object, it's called psychometry. Yes. I can do that as well. Uh, and yeah, I, I get... People... I, Go ahead. Yeah, the the, the clairs, I, you know, there's clairvoyance, clairaudience, and then I get lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? Clair yes. what? Clair what, yes. So, what inspires you to create the book the opening the heart meditations well, on how to be well uh, this is this is interesting i when i lived back in massachusetts uh at the time uh when the idea came to me was gifted to me uh i had a massage therapist who was quite intuitive or psychic herself and we would talk about what each of us received during you know the session she was working on me and I came out from getting dressed one day and she looked at me and said I think you're supposed to to create a set of angel cards mm. and I said oh well I'm going to need an artist because well I'm not an artist and actually they started out and then as, as I started to, to do the channeling work it became these meditations and it originally was a set of meditation cards um, and that was in 
May or so, and then in August I re-met Linda, who I'd met on a trip to Ireland in 2002 and had not seen her for five years, and suddenly there was a little reunion, and it's like we connected like we had not, you know, missed five years. And mm-hmm. she became my book designer. So, yes, folks, sometimes when you make a request clearly to the universe, it will gift you something. So be careful about what you ask for. <coughs> And so oh, be very careful what you careful. ask for. That ask is for. that is definitely the uh, key. Be very careful what you ask for. So the inspiration for the book was uh, my massage therapist, Rochelle, saying, I think you're supposed to create a set of angel cards, which became meditation cards. And then because of trying to find a publisher um, and not wanting to self-publish card sets, we changed everything into a book, including putting in the exercises in part three, and ended up doing self-publishing. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's the publishing world is really mm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've, I've been hearing that lately. So uh, tedious, interesting. Uh, you know, my I've given a book talk a couple, you know, a talk on. You know, publishing a couple times, and, and my first rule is love your project. Because if you don't, <laughs> it will never be published. Because you know things happen, and they right. usually and happen. Part, right, and the radical persistence is where it comes in. <laughs> yes. I had a friend who looked at me and said, "So, is this ever going to get published?" And I had to say, "Yes," because I, you know, otherwise, why am I doing this? You know. Yes. So, but it does take a while to get published. I do because I've been uh, I've been trying to do a book myself with poetry, and they're like, uh, you know, why don't you do a murder mystery or or something of that nature? It's like because but if I'd that's like, not but if that's not your thing, yes, you would just yes. be. For, I mean, somebody told me I should write a paranormal romance <laughs> because that's really popular. Yes. Well, well, it was the same thing, you know. You know, murder mysteries are popular. That you know, and yeah, paran- anything paranoia, paranormal is popular, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you can write about it. Or even if you do, even if you write about it well, that it's going to be found and published, and, or bought, or you know, the luck of J.K. Rowling, who it was all word of mouth, and then bam, you know. Yes. Or or the author of The Help, who I heard she had 60 rejections before. Before she got, yeah, that's what I heard, purchase. too. It's like, you know, so, again, there's that radical ambiguity and radical persistence. You so, know, just wow. Living with it. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, we have about eight minutes. Seven minutes. Okay. Um, And I wanted to ask some more questions about the book. All right. So, and how it can help people. So, um, please describe the opening of the heart and how it can help the user. Um, I can tell you from my own experience working with it and creating it and using it, uh, I have a deeper connection to myself. Mm hmm. Uh, a deeper connection, I think, to my imagination. <laughs> if that could be, you know, when you're a psychic, it's like, woo! Um, 
I am certainly, after this journey and working with, as you know, with meditation and working with this, calmer, um, clearer, I think. Uh, it is really designed in a way to be used however it works for you. But Linda and I conceived of it as a way to really delve into your heart. And if I could read James Wanless's blurb on the back... Uh, opening the heart meditation images give you the direct way to think with your heart, which is where all great and meaningful, meaningful messages reside. These 56 flower images put you in the flow of your own apotheosis to the blossoming of who you are meant to be. Flowers speak, listen. So it's really meant to really get you to delve down into your heart. Um, one of the exercises, and it came out of a meditation I had, um, is what lives in your heart and you some of the exercises call for you to draw and to journal uh or journal and i had this meditation where i saw the, you know the typical valentine heart shape and there was a door in the heart open and there was a field of flowers inside oh yeah so it's also to help you connect yourself to your higher self to the divine to to really look at how you want to relate to everybody around you and to the world. And as we change ourselves, I think, you know, there are ripples outward, changing others, changing the world. Um, and you, and when I, you know, listened to the show, you gave me the link, the link where you, you know, mentioned I was going to be on the show. <laughs> and Linda and I had never really thought about this in terms of when we were working on it. Um, and she was designing it, just using it like day by day and just seeing what it had to say. <laughs> you know, because uh, one of the exercises is choose a number and you go to that number. Um, people should know that this book is based on the meditation images. There are 28 pairs, and they are um, based on the seeming dualities of life. Uh, like the first one, which you read about breathing deep and breathing slowly, its pair is action, it's the counterpart to breath, be in the world. So uh-huh. you can work with both of them at once, or you could put a piece of paper over one and work with only that, the other, you know, the other one. Um, and it, you can use it uh, for meditation, you can journal from it. One of the exercises is to pick one and do stream of consciousness journaling. Um, mm-hmm. Or you can just Flip it open and say, I'm working with, you know, with eyes closed and say, whichever one's on the left, that's the one I'm going to work with for a while. Um, so I think it's pretty flexible it in is. how you use it. Um, and I just, I still look at the pictures that David <laughs> took and get excited. <laughs> I love the pictures, but I had yeah. turned to uh, the first one, breathe deeply, breathe slowly. You can breathe through anything. And it says, breathing slows down our minds and bodies. It allows us to clear out anxiety and dread. By following the breath, we can journey to that calm inner place in ourselves. And it goes further than that, but, yeah. Um, But I got that, you know, little bit of passage, and I feel that, wow, you know, yeah, I I can calm myself down by breathing and, you know, Um, And I did, I did, because I was, you know, when I got home, really like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So, but that's 
you know, coming in a little later than I thought it would be in and, you know, playing catch-up, as they say, which happens a lot. That's because it's life. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very much. So. Yes, you know, like one of one of the pairs is uh, be open, and the other is have boundaries. Yes. So part of this is since it's really neither nor, it's it's often both. It's so, so how do you have boundaries but be open? Because you don't want to be so open that you're poor, too porous to things that you shouldn't be porous to. If that yes. convoluted sense sentence made any sense at all. <laughs> those out there in radio land <laughs> well if it doesn't i'm sure they'll tell us about it trust me so <laughs> but we have about i think about three minutes no two minutes so um i have two questions that i want to ask and hopefully um they'll be answered uh I know there's a lot of thing about angels and guides, working with your spirit guide, working with your animal guide, mm-hmm. uh, your Indian guide, you know, anything guide. So what is it like to be uh, working with your angels and guides? I love it, but it, it just becomes so much a part of me that it's normal. It's it's just it's what I do. <laughs> okay. At first it was, oh, my God, why me? Why me? Why me? And then it got to be like, well, why not me? And it's, oh, just, yeah. it's just, it's it's not routine because it's not a rut, but it's it's something that I do every day. So it's almost like part of my breath, part of my being. Yes, part of walking and, yeah, yeah, part of your being. Yeah, Very so I, I, you know, I can no longer tell you what it's like not to. Because you've been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yes. And the last question, uh, how do you use your work to help people move past their fears or uh, move through their fears into hope? Oh, that's a really nice question. Um, it's helping them change their perspective. It's helping them see possibilities. Because um, sometimes people become anxious and fearful because they don't see possibilities. They they get this rigid thinking. And so either way, it's helping them loosen their thinking and seeing differently. Yes. And like I said, sometimes that's a necessary thing to do mm-hmm. uh, is to see things differently or at least yes. try to see things differently. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are at 930. So anything that you'd like to plug very quickly? Well, I do have a website, www.katherinesamuelson.com, and it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-S-A-M. U-E-L-S-O-N, and my scheduled events are on the website. You can see more about the book, Life Coaching, and the channeled angel readings. Ah, yes. Yes, all the listeners out there, there's plenty of things that you can uh, 
listen or read that Catherine Samuelson had done uh, for you to actually look her up and to explore her. So, so what I'm going to say is that uh, Susan Weed is coming up and um, with her show at 10 o'clock. And that's Green Magic, Green Medicine with Susan Weed. And uh, she always has a really wonderful show about plants and and herbs and everything green. So stay tuned for that. And I want to say thank you very much to you, Catherine, uh, for spending an hour with me. went very fast, actually. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Thank you for letting me be here. Uh, welcome. Anytime um, that you want to come back. And um, there is going to be a town hall maybe in the next couple of months that I would love for you to be in there because uh, even though this is about women and it's about spirituality, uh, there are going to be men on the show eventually, uh, Daniel being one of them. And we're going to be talking about spirituality um, in general. And women, spirituality, the spirituality of sex, all those different things. So, and I'll let you know about that when the time Terrific. comes. But it's going to probably be, like I said, about three months or so, maybe three months, three and a half months. Terrific. Just let me know. All right. All right. So until then, I hope you have a wonderful evening. And once again, thank you for um, being my guest. And um, I'll be calling you when I get offline. Okay. Okay. So Thank good night, you Susan. And have... Good oh, night. I'm, I'm sorry. Good night, <laughs> Catherine. Uh, Susan just popped into my head. So, but I'm sorry. Oh, about she's that. coming on next. That's why. Yes. <laughs> yes, she's coming on next. So, this has been Reflections and Rhythm with me, uh, Janice R. White, associate producer of. Main Street Universe, and host of Reflections and Rhythms. Good night. All right, then good night, ladies. I'm here, and I'm going to go ahead with the plug and then a song, and then there's going to be a little break of about a half hour where I'm going to just, because we have a, a ton of songs on the, in our list now, so I'm going to talk about a song and be like kind of a mini DJ for about 25 minutes or so, and then the Susan Weed Show will start after that. Thank you, ladies, both very much for being here. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
All right, everyone, and hello. My name is Dan Michael, the Dan Michael, the founder, co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And in about 22 minutes, the show Green Magic, Green Medicine, with your host Susan Weed, the great master herbalist, is going to begin. But we have a little time because these hour slots have to be concurrent. So what we're going to do is play a few songs, and I'll sort of be a, a mini DJ for this. The first one we'll start off with is from Diana Arkenstone, who's been a guest on our show, who's actually an award-winning musician who has had songs on the charts, and she's a lovely guest who's actually been on the show twice. This one is Ocean of Stars.
That was Diana Arkenstone with Ocean of Stars. This next song is by my own band, Dragon's Head. I kind of liked the violin solo by the violinist at the time for the band, Miss Nina Garcia. Here it is, I Will Find You Again. Yeah. 
All right, everyone, and that was my band, Dragon's Head, and that song was I Will Find You Again, off of our album, Songs of the New Old Ways. What I'm doing now is sort of scrolling down. We have about, oh, nine minutes or so before the next show, which will be Green Magic, Green Medicine, and holy shnikes, Jesse has a lot of songs. That's okay, nothing wrong with that (laughs) on this thing. All right. Let's go with Kellyanna. This one's called Ancestors.
honoring the ones who came before us. Honor them with song. Everybody, and we are back, and that was Ancestors by Kellyanna. And I see we have about four minutes left, so I'm going to go ahead and play another song. And this one is going to be hmm, let me look, 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 look. Hmm, damn. <laughs> All right. This one is going to be another one by Diane Arkenstone, and this one's called The Secret Garden.
forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. I'll be back in just a second. Blessed are we in the awakening dawn. Blessed are we in the morning. Blessed are we in the light of the day. As we
and there's no talking stick on that day, mm. and they go to sleep when they're tired. Oh, wow. Yeah, when was the last time most of us did any of those things? Clock, oh, clock, you... clock, everywhere, telling time, looking at them. How many times a day do you look at a clock? Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I'm not making a judgment about it. I'm asking us questions. Is this useful to us? To be so so controlled by it's this time I'm supposed to do this rather than listening inside to what time it is. I was really fascinated to read an account by someone, um, an anthropology student, who wondered what kind of research had been done on sleep in anthropology and discovered the answer was none. That sleep was something that just was kind of taken for granted. And so this graduate student started looking at cultures and soon found that only in mechanized cultures do people sleep and get up by the clock and do they sleep in eight-hour blocks. In most cultures, people sleep whenever they're tired in the clothing they're wearing, even if other people are up and about. And they tend to have a rhythm of four hours of sleep, eight hours awake. Four hours of sleep, eight hours awake. Hmm. Quite different from what we're led to suppose is the norm. The rigid early morning alarm clock. Exactly, which usually requires coffee. (laughs) Right. And not that coffee is in any way bad. Coffee is an herb. Coffee's a great herb. It has a lot of health benefits. But when we drink coffee first thing every morning, we become addicted to it. And then we don't actually get the benefit of the coffee, we just get relief from our addictive symptoms. Mm. Mm. So coffee's a wonderful thing, but like many plants that are powerful, um, it needs to be used wisely and sparingly rather than in ever-increasing amounts. So I picked up our herbal antibiotics book today, Stephen Herod Booner, B-U-H-N-E-R, and you can get herbal antibiotics at my sales site, um, wisewomanbookshop.com, as well as all kinds of other booksellers. We've been um, kind of really studying this book and talking a lot about the theme of the book, which is herbal antibiotics. And, you know, I realized that I, oops, haven't made notes about what we've talked about Tell me if tell me if I hit, my memory is clear. I think that we did a show that was kind of general about antibiotics yeah. and what's happened with overuse of antibiotics and the growing problem of antibiotic resistant infections and bacteria. Yes, you did. And, and then that we talked last week about Artemisia. Uh, that that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. And other than that, we haven't talked about any of the other herbal antibiotics. 
So tonight, tonight I want to talk about one of the most shocking plants in this book. Matter of fact, I've had people, even people who, you know, know herbs really well, look through here and go, herbal antibiotics. Oh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Okay, right. Yeah. Honey? Honey? People just don't think of honey as an herbal antibiotic. Right. Right? And I, um, since ancient, ancient Egypt, they, they used it right, to, to dress wounds, the propolis, and all that stuff. To dress wounds. As a matter of fact, Stephen says that there is no substance anywhere on the planet as good as honey for dealing with what herbalists used to call indolent wounds, which means a wound that is having a difficult time healing. So let's kind of define what we're talking about here. We're talking about honey, which is made by bees. And honey is made by bees from nectar produced by flowers. There are people that I have met who feel that it is somehow unacceptable to get honey, to take the honey from the bees. Certainly the history of beekeeping has been toward greater and greater kindness toward the bees. Originally when we kept bees, they were kept in straw skeps, which is like a, well, it's what people would call a beehive, right? It's kind of, um, it's not a pointy cone, it's a roundy cone. And uh, at the end of the year, they would... Um, Smoke all the bees out of the hive, tear the hive apart, and collect the honey. So basically, the whole beehive was just like out of business when we wanted the honey. And then hundreds and hundreds of years later, we developed the movable frame, which is the bee box that you're used to seeing. You still call it a beehive, but it's really a box now. And there are supers on the box, which are actually wooden frames in which you can drop sections of honeycomb starter so that the bees even have an easier life. And you can put a little queen excluder so your your queen can't come up into the honeycomb and lay eggs so that when you harvest honey, all you do is pick up one of these sections that the bees have made and you take it away. You don't have to disturb the bees. You don't disturb the queen. You don't disturb the brood. You don't disturb much of anything. People say, well, it's, it's unfair to take the bees' food And certainly, in a way, it is unfair to take the bees' food. But that brings us to one of the central problems of eating, is that any time we eat anything, we're taking something else's food. So we have to all kind of figure out our own path through. How do we make that okay? You can probably find a conscientious beekeeper who only takes the honey that's extra. And in a really good year, there will be lots of extra honey. Certainly for healing, what we want is a single-source honey. In other words, it's better if we have buckwheat honey or manuka honey or pine honey or any single-source honey rather than an admixture of honeys. That said, wildflower honey, if we're going to get a mixed honey, is probably the best choice. In general, the darker the honey, the more effective 
it will be to do the work that it needs to do. I have a jar of honey that I bought in Jamaica that is so dark it is almost black. It's actually a rum bottle full of honey. Well, it's not so full anymore because I keep it stashed for when I have a really bad sore throat. And then all I have to do is take one swallow of that black honey and I become superwoman with a throat of steel and there. So certainly for wounds, honey, for wounds, you can actually go now into drugstores and buy bandages with honey. The honey is already impregnated into the bandage, and they're being used in hospitals as well. Hooray, 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 because of antibiotic-resistant skin infections. And skin-eating bacteria are not some fantasy that your teenage neighbor made up or some rerun of a 50s science fiction movie. Flesh-eating bacteria are real. They are in hospitals. And they cause incredible infections in which the flesh just becomes necrotic and dead. And honey is one of the few things that can stop this from happening. Stephen says, I've used honey in healing for over 20 years, and there is nothing comparable for treating wounds of any sort, no matter how infected, no matter how bad. Honey is the premier wound healer on this planet. He says, in the past, when there weren't monocrops, that the bees tended to make more mixed honeys. But my experience with bees is that bees are specialists. And even if there's a bunch of flowers blooming, the bees are likely to go to one particular kind of flower until they've gotten the nectar from that. And then on to the next one. I have been in stores in Europe where they offer over 30 different kinds of honey, each from a specific plant and if you are a very wise beekeeper you will be right there on a day by day basis with your hive and able to discern which particular plant is blooming, which particular plant those bees in that hive are working and get that single variety honey. I think what tends to make it mixed honey is that the beekeepers don't do that. It does require quite a bit of extra work. He, Stephen talks about being amazed to see that the bees in his area and in his garden prefer the medicinal plants. They like the echinacea. As a matter of fact, echinacea is often um, planted for butterfly gardens and oh, okay. for bee gardens as well. Did you say something? Oh, no, I just said okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it came through a little garbled, so I wasn't quite sure what it was. He says, I see the bees going to my Vitex, the Hohoba, the Elder, the Echinacea, Valerian, Dandelion. And 
think of the varietal honeys that those bees are making. Because, of course, the nectar does carry at least some of the subtle powers of the plant. Stephen goes on. Honey has become a major part of standard practice medicine in most hospitals, especially hospitals specializing in wounds, burns, and surgical repairs. Honey has become standard practice in part because of the spread of resistant organisms against which honey is reliably effective. Dozens of clinical trials have been conducted on its use. Here are some that I find important. 32 children with abscesses split into two groups. The abscess cavities packed twice daily with honey or some other antibiotic. Honey-treated wounds healed faster and much shorter. 88 people were enrolled in a side-by-side comparison of a second intention healing of donor site at split thickness skin grafts. Honey impregnated gauzes showed faster epithelialization rate and a much lower level of pain than any other method. A trial with 60 patients, chronic complicated surgical or acute traumatic wounds. Honey was easy to apply, kept the wounds clean, stopped infection, and exceptionally safe. 105 people in a trial of honey for wounds, the honey-treated group's wounds healed in 100 days as compared to 140 for the control groups. 108 people with venous leg ulcers, increased incidence of healing, effective desloughing, and lower infection rates in the honey-treated group. 15 people with pressure ulcers, or that we used to call that a bed sore, treated with honey or other things, the honey group healing was four times faster than that of the pharmaceutical group. Only one of 20 patients in a honey group developed intolerable oral mucositis when receiving radiation, a much better outcome than with lignocaine, the usual drug, and other studies have confirmed this. That was one that I had not known about. So when we're talking wounds, we need to really like open up and broaden the scope of wounds, right? A surgical wound is a wound. An ulcer is a wound. An open infection is a wound. Receiving radiation is a kind of a wound. And becoming infected with a cold virus or a flu virus is also a kind of wound, and honey shows remarkable results at clearing cold and flu viruses. There have been scores of studies on the wound healing actions of honey in the treatment of auricular burns, induced wounds, surgical wounds, bacterial infection of burns, bite wounds. Honey was found to be more effective than anything else tried. Intraurethral honey application healed urethral injury. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yes, very much so. Yeah, right. 
It promotes angiogenic activity in rat aorta. Angiogenic means blood vessel growth. That's good. We want that. The immune systems of rats fed on honey were more protected against staph infections than those of controls. Intraperitoneal honey administration prevented postoperative peritoneal adhesions in all animal studies. That is fascinating to me. We know that when we operate in the abdomen, there is a very high risk of scar tissue forming in the very thin tissues in the abdomen. And that scar tissue can cause anywhere from mild to severe abdominal pain running right on into death if one of those scars actually encircles the intestine, which it can do, and then strangulates it. So if I was going to have any kind of surgery in my belly, I would definitely want to know about intraperitoneal honey administration. Following a bowel resection, oral honey reduced infection and stimulated healing. A bowel resection is where somebody has had surgery, like someone with Crohn's disease, to disconnect their bowels so that food does not go into the painful part of the bowel but goes out into a bag. And at a time when the disease is considered stabilized, the bowel can be resected or reconnected. And honey orally was found to reduce infection and stimulate healing. Honey has also been found to be immune-stimulating, skin-regenerating, anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal, antioxidant, free radical scavenging, immunomodulatory, and anti-mutagenic. How's that for something we think of as a sweetener? (laughs) Yeah, right. It's not just... There's a reason that herbalists for thousands of years have said, and drink this tea with a spoonful of honey. It might even be, and I'm really going out on a limb here, just to kind of, who knows, maybe. It might even be that a great many of those herbs weren't so effective as the honey was. In other words, if we said to someone, oh, have a cup of hot water with honey in it, they would have gotten as well as they did by having the cup of herbal tea with the honey in it. Given tremendous powers of honey. Antibacterial action has found to occur with honey diluted so that there's only 4% honey, but obviously full-strength honey is absolutely the best. Salves made with honey have been found effective against staph and candida. And Stephen says, do not buy clover or alfalfa honey readily available in grocery stores. Alfalfa and clover are heavily sprayed with pesticides, and they do not have the broad activity of a wildflower honey. Furthermore, commercial honey growers may supplement their bees' food with sugar water, which seems to dilute the honey's power. 
And what he does not say is that there is a growing problem with clover honey, especially sold in supermarkets, being diluted illegally with sugar water. Not just the bees said sugar water, but the honey itself diluted with sugar syrup. So know your beekeeper, especially for internal use. Here's where it's really worth spending some bucks for the honey. Saugerties, where I live, has a big garlic festival every year. And this year at the garlic festival, I bought myself a really big treat, which was a jar of honey, not very much, eight ounces of honey from Greece, sent me back over $20. But this honey is the next darkest honey to the honey that I got in Jamaica over 20 years ago, which, let me tell you, my bottle is not, like, doing well. Not that I use it that much. But, ooh, how nice. And any time this winter that I have felt like, you know, Susan, you need a little something today, you need a little something extra, I reach out for my, it's called Reiki Honey. I don't know if um, it's, it has anything at all to do with the, the Reiki method of healing from Japan. I actually think not. I think it might be a um, uh, a Greek word that means something else. But um, take a look around. Your health is probably worth it. Now, my personal opinion is that raw honey is not what I want. If you get honey from a small beekeeper, it's going to be not heated. But it should have been screened, which means the honey has been passed through a screen to remove bits of trees, bits of leaves, bits of bee legs. I often call raw raw honey bee leg honey because you often find bee legs in it. And um, I've asked people who make raw honey, I say, when I take take this honey and I put it in my hot tea, isn't it not raw anymore? And they say, you're right, it's not raw anymore. I'm like, then what's the big deal? What's raw? Well, da, da, da. so again, raw honey is not the deal. What we're looking for is local honey. Find somebody you know. Don't just go to the supermarket and buy cheap clover honey. It probably would have some benefit. I'm certainly not saying that it wouldn't have any benefit at all, at all, if that's the only thing that you can get. But the kinds of results that we can get with honey definitely, as we said at the very beginning, are amped up the darker the honey is. So let's see. Stephen says, treats, cuts abrasions, leg ulcers, bed sores, gangrene, diabetic ulceration of the foot, skin ulceration with necrosis and bad smell, necrotizing soft tissue infections, post-surgical wounds, burns, first through third degree, cellulitis, abscesses, necrotizing fasciitis, conjunctivitis, radiation burns, gingivitis, dental plaque, heliobacter infections of the stomach and duodenum, 
To prevent infection from catheters, the catheter should be coated with honey before insertion. In fact, all medical equipment that is inserted into the human body should first be coated with honey. If I ever have to go in the hospital, I'm going with a jar of honey. Meanwhile, since I'm not in the honey, I'm not in the hospital, what I use honey for is to make my skin pretty. Honey is a humectant. It draws moisture to it. So splash some water on your face. Put a, Dip your finger in some honey. Spread the honey evenly all over your face. Rub it in. And as it dries and the water dries, it will pull more water into your skin. And no, the bees won't come to you and you won't feel sticky. I often suggest that the first time people do this, do it before you go to bed so that you're not, so that you can really see you're not going to become a sticky flytrap by doing this. This is why you wet your face first because that, that water then carries the honey down deeper into the skin where it can then rest there and plump up the skin, much like the action of glycerin, which I'm told doesn't pull moisture from the air nearly as well as honey, but does tend to pull moisture from the lower skin cells up towards the surface so that you look good when you use a glycerin-based product, but then when you stop using it, you look really bad. Whereas honey is actually attracting the moisture from the air into your skin and making your skin moist, soft, and healthy. I think that Stephen left out a few things. I think that we could use honey on pimples. I think we could use it on cold sores. Put on your thinking cap and think over the next few days, what could you use honey for? Anything from a hangnail to something really major. The next time somebody gets a winter crack in their skin, which can happen in cold climates, I'm going to suggest that they use honey and see what kind of results we get. So I'll be back next week. I just wanted to say that. Yep, I'll uh, be back next week to talk about more herbal antibiotics. I just wanted to respect your time. (laughs) And then then I'm going to be in Costa Rica for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But I will give you that schedule next week. Okay. All right. Yeah, though. Thank you so much for joining us. You are welcome. Thanks for giving me uh, this forum to remind everyone that herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows right outside your door and right there in the beehive. Absolutely. (laughs) Green blessings. Good night. All right. Have a great evening. You've been listening to Green Magic Green Medicine with Susan Weed. We'll be back next week about herbal antibiotics is sort of our series we're doing right now. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
As we slip into dreams that are called 